I had something I want to share. I, I really forgot about it. I was going to do it during announcements, but I just saw it, and I want to I want to share it with you. Um, Roger gives me a it's a a magazine that a um, Pastor Barnhart, his name is Barnhart. Pass he sends out. It's called the Vine and the Branches. Anyway, he's a a, a Lutheran pastor, um, and he he writes a lot of just. Um, things that are going on in the in the world today and he had one little note on the back and I, I read this and I thought you know I just want I just want to read it so that you're aware of some of these things um, it's about Disney okay he said Disney continues its descendants movie series in descendants 2 they're depicting good or they're depicting switching good for evil on a whole other level the successful movie series has millions of children tuning in to see the latest adventures of descendants of prior Disney villains now cast as heroes. Celebrating wickedness, rebellion, the occult, and biblical themes of the fall of Lucifer and his angels, the heroes use witchcraft to achieve their wicked goals. This series logo depicts a bitten apple with a serpent-like vine wrapped around it. The series is based on making evil exciting and alluring. The original movie opened with a song depicting eating the forbidden apple with the song Rotten to the Core. The second movie features the song Ways to be Wicked. And its lyrics include, Cruel and unusual, we're taking control. There's so many ways to be wicked with, with us evil lives on the right side of wrong. There's so many ways to be wicked. Bad just doesn't get much better. Evil is the only real way to win. Disney is a far cry of what it used to be. Bambi, Peter Pan, and Cinderella. So I just I share that just so you're aware. And uh, you know, just just be aware of what's going on around you sometimes. You know, we, we start to make assumptions, I think, and maybe we say, Well, it's Disney, it's gotta be good. Maybe we think that. Well, you know, it doesn't always have to be good. So just be aware of what's going on and you know. Check it out if you, you know I this I I trust this man I've I've read his things over the years and I trust him but um, if you don't think it's true check it out but uh, you know I think it seems pretty credible to me. Um, we were talking about the Holy Spirit and and you know we we talked about you know the Holy Spirit comes and He fills us and it, and then why should we witness? I want to think about I want to think about today why witness. Why witness? Maybe we don't. Maybe we don't think. Well, why would you witness? Maybe you just think. Well, we should. Or maybe you don't think about it at all. But I want to think about some reasons why we witness, why we should witness, and and what does that mean? Next week, I want to talk about some practical ways to witness. I want to give some very practical, hands-on ways to witness. And let me say this: you know, when a lot of times people get real nervous talking about witnessing, and uh, there's a lot of different ways to witness. And we have a lot of different personalities. And I believe God will use each of us in our own ways. He's going to use us to witness. He's not going to make. And you won't witness like somebody else witnesses. Don't try to be like somebody else. You know, don't try to just be yourself and, and witness. But, you know, why, why witness? And the first reason, I believe, is because it's out of obedience, to be obedient. You know, it's, it's, that's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. But in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. So he said, go. 
go therefore. And he said, go therefore, because he has all the authority. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore. And so we're to go. You know, it's, he didn't say, well, you know, and he told him to wait. You know, we know that we talked about that last week. But, but basically he said, go. Go and, go and be witnesses. Make disciples. I personally think that sometimes in the church, in, in some cases, we maybe let down at that point of making disciples. Um, I, Billy Graham, I know over the years, has always said that people that come to Billy Graham crusades, about 10% of the people that come forward actually follow through. And I, and I determined that that means that 10% of them actually become disciples, followers. What it appears like, and that was his big thing, and that's why he tried to get the churches involved more in his, uh, in his uh, um, evangelism because he knew that once he left, if the church didn't pick up and the people became disciples, that many of these people just would fall away. Probably to some extent, they got caught up in maybe in the emotion of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and people going forward. They had a desire to go forward, but they never became disciples. And I think we have to keep that in mind as a, as a church is that's our, that's our call is to go and make disciples. In other words, when people come to Christ, we have responsibility to help them become disciples. That's a process. You know, coming to him is a step, but becoming a disciple is a process. And we're to, we're to make disciples. We're to teach. It says teaching, baptizing. You know, that's, that's what the church is supposed to do. Teaching them. Teach them what? Teach them to observe what he has told us. Teach them his word. Teach them his word. So we're to go. And, and so it's a matter of obedience. Jesus said go. You know, do I, do I want to go? Or, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And we know in Acts 1.8, we, we used this scripture last week, but in Acts 1.8, Jesus said you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And he says, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we're supposed to be witnesses. That's why he sends his Holy Spirit to be powered to be witnesses. To go and spread the gospel. I was, I think I told it maybe Wednesday night, but uh, I'll mention it again. Uh, I was in the doctor's office waiting on my daughter the other day and and I picked up a National Geographic, and it was on the life of the apostles. Oh, that's cool. So I was looking at it, and it was pretty interesting. You know, those, those 11 men, and then they had a replacement for Judas, but, you know, 12 men, they, they went to the uttermost parts of the earth. Thomas went to India, and it told where they all went, and it told how they, all their deaths and everything. And uh, it was really a pretty good article, pretty good. It's good enough. I almost picked it up and took it home. I... <laughs> I, I, I debated. I was really struggling. I, I really struggled. I thought, boy, I'd like to have that. That's pretty good. It was, it was from 2012. I almost tried to justify it. Well, it's 2012. My goodness, it's been laying there quite a while. Nobody's going to miss it. You know, but I left it. I left it. I thought, well, I can probably go online and find it if I want to. So, so I, didn't, I didn't pick it up and take it. But, but anyway, but it was very interesting how, you know, when Jesus says go to the uttermost parts of the earth, they did. They went, they went for them. Think about it. Now for us, for us, you know, going to the uttermost parts of the earth isn't that, well, it's a big deal in a way. But, you know, nowadays, electronically, you can go to the uttermost parts of the earth almost electronically. 
I mean, back then, can you imagine going from, from Israel to India? Well, he had to walk or ride something. I mean, that was, that was not an easy trip. That was not an easy trip. But these, these men, once they were empowered, they had that, they had that desire to be obedient to what Jesus said, and, and they wanted to do it. And so, you know, sometimes it takes different things to motivate us to do what God wants. Do you, ever, do you ever realize that, you know, God wants you to do things, and sometimes there's different motivations? I think one of the motivations to, to witness is out of obedience. You know, I, I want to obey. I want to obey. I want to I do what God wants. I want to please him for all that he's done for me. Um. <clears throat> In First John, First John, the first chapter, beginning at the first verse, it says, "That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life, the life was manifest. We have seen and bear witness, and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested to us." That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, and that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. A couple of times in there it says, what we've seen and heard. The disciples, they said, you know, what we've seen and what we've heard, we want to be witnesses. We want to share that. We want to share what we've seen and heard. One of the questions is, what have you seen and heard? Think about it. what have you seen and heard. You know, it witness a witness means you share something. You know, when you have a trial, you bring witnesses in to share what they've seen or heard. You know, they're a witness. And so when it says we're to be witnesses, it says that the disciples went out and they shared what they had seen and heard. And sometimes the question is, well, what do we have to share? You know, out of obedience, what do I have to share? What have I seen and heard? Have I seen anything? Have I heard anything? Basically, to me, that says, is God real to me? Is he real? Or is he just off somewhere and he really doesn't do anything? He just kind of, I don't know, he hangs out in heaven, I guess. You know, he doesn't do anything, so I, 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 I haven't really seen or heard anything. But the Bible says that, you know, these disciples, they had seen and heard things and they were obedient. They were obedient then to share what they had seen and heard. And so one of the one of the things that m- might motivate us is out of obedience. You know, wow, if that's what God wants, then I want to I want to do what he wants. I want to please him. I want to obey. And so I'll do it. I'll do it out of obedience. Some some people that doesn't motivate, to be honest with you. I mean, look at children. I mean, you know, does the fact that, you know, some children, you know, there are children who want to be obedient. You know, there there's a couple but you know, some kids they they really do. They they want to they want to obey. They want to. And then there are some kids that's no motivation at all. You know, I mean, you realize the kids are different. And some kids, that's not a motivation at all to be obedient. You know, and maybe sometimes that's that's also with adults too. Maybe with adults more than we want to admit that. You know, does obedience stimulate me to do what God wants? That I want to obey Him. I want to do His will. Another reason I believe we, we should want to witness is because we love God because he first loved us. 
you know, once I've experienced his love, once I've experienced who he is, once I've experienced him in my life, and I realize that he is love and how much he loves me, well, I want to tell somebody. I want to tell somebody. You know, we have a lot of things, you know, in life that we want to share with somebody. You know, we have all kinds of things that happen. You know, you get a good deal. If you get a good deal somewhere, man, I got to I got to get on my cell phone. I got to tell everybody, hey, you got to get down here, man. There is a good deal. You know, I bet you if somebody was giving away steak, I bet you if the country, the country farmhouse in Wayne's giving away steak dinners today. I bet you people get on their phones in a split second to tell everybody, hey, get over to Wayne, man. They're giving out free steak dinners, you know, because, you know, it's a good deal. So some of you, know, we want to we want to tell somebody like, wow, this it's a great deal. You know, or something happened or something works for you. Something happened. You used something and it worked. You know, you've been trying to fix something for a long time and all of a sudden it worked. Man, I want to I want to tell people that, hey, this really works. It really works. This fixed my car, fixed my washing machine, it fixed, you know, all kinds of stuff. I want to tell everybody. But I believe one of the reasons we want to witness is because we realize how much God loves us. How much he loves us. And that he wants to love other people. Well, the most familiar verses probably in the Bible, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing, but John three sixteen, For God so loved the world. He loved the world. And I believe he still loves the world. I believe he still loves the world. Because he loved the world then, he loves the world now. And he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. And I always, you know, I think for a rotten bunch of people. But he did it. I mean, the Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, you know, you can say it a lot of different ways. Some of them, you know, but for from not such a nice bunch of people. God so loved the world. And he still loves the world. He still loves the world. And because he loved me, and I realize how much he loved me, that I realize that he still loves the world. And I, I want them to know. I want them to know how much he loves them. How much he loves them. In 1 John 2, 3 to 6, it says, Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So if I say that God abides in me, then I have to realize that if he abides in me and he so loved the world, that there's something inside of me that loves the world. Now, it may not be me, but something inside of me loves the world. Because God so loved the world, and now he lives in us. And so this God that loves the world is inside of me. And if I understand that the God that lives inside of me loved me and loves the world, why wouldn't I share with the world? You know, why, what, what, what holds me back? What keeps me from sharing? You know, I don't want the world to know that God loves them. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. 
you know, probably, and I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot, but, you know, one of the things that probably keeps her from doing it is fear. I think that's probably the biggest one. I don't know. There's probably others. But, you know, if I understand how much God loves me and he lives in me, and the God that loves me also loves the world, you know, I, I should have pretty much a desire to share that. And so then if I don't, I got to think, what keeps me from doing it? And probably fear is one of the biggest ones. And one of the biggest ones is fear of making a mistake. Fear of, I don't know what to say, and I don't know how to talk to people. Or fear that they're not going to like me. Fear they're not going to like me. And, you know, we have to basically ultimately get over those fears. And I believe that that's why Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem until you get the Holy Spirit and get power to do it. Because I think that's what overcomes our fears, personally. Okay? Now, I know for a fact, I'll just speak for me personally, but I know for a fact, personally, that until I had the power of the Holy Spirit within me, I didn't want to talk pretty much to people a lot. I mean, I wasn't real geared to wanting to get up and talk to people or just, you know, kind of I just enjoyed my life and, you know, I'll do it in certain situations. But but I, what I noticed was that when he gave me the power to do it, that it changed a lot of things in my life. And I think one of them is fear. One of them is fear. Fear of what am I going to do? Fear of people. You know, Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love. The only perfect love I know is God's love. That's the only one I know. Perfect love casts out fear. So back to if I know how much he loved me and how much he loves the world, then what do I have to be afraid of? What do I, you know, what are they going to do to me? Now, the ultimate answer is, well, they could kill you, but, um, you know, sorry about that. You know, but that's the truth. I just want to know that's the truth. I mean, you know, because I, I say, what can they do? Well, the first, the first disciples, all but one, they, got, they all got killed. You know. Wow. They must not have had much fear, didn't they? Think about that. Think about it. They didn't, they didn't have a lot of fear because I believe they felt like this is what God would want me to do. And I want to share it with people. I want to share it. I believe another, another uh, thing that motivates us to witness is the reality of heaven and hell. You know, we don't talk, a lot about, uh, talk about it a whole lot, I don't think. But you know, it's the reality that there's an end and there's a heaven and a hell awaiting us. And consequently, we have an eternal destination. So the biggest thing that we can do in this earth is make sure we're going to the right place. You know, that there is, there is a heaven, there is a hell. There is, there, and you know, that can stimulate you to want to share, that you don't want anybody to go to hell. You know, it, it's, I don't want anybody to, why, I don't want anybody to perish. God doesn't want anybody to perish. I don't want anybody to perish. So that, that can motivate us can motivate us to say, wow, I need to share. I need to share. I need to share with people. Because, you know, this is, this is, this is heaven or hell, you know. In Matthew 22, Matthew 22, verse 13. 
Jesus told this parable. He says, the king said to the servant, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. He says, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. He says, there's a place. There's a place where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, then in Matthew, Matthew 25, 41. Jesus says, then he will also say to those on the right, on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Depart and cast them into the eternal fire. You know, if we don't think there's that place, then what would matter? You know, if there's, if there's no hell, then we all go to heaven. Some people believe that. Some people believe that. They believe that a loving God could not send anybody to hell. You know, that if he's a loving God like he claims to be in the Bible, which he does, he would not send anybody to hell. But he's also just. He's also just. And he said, there's a place. Just as Jesus was speaking, he said, there's a place. And so that becomes a motivation for witnessing. That, you know, I don't, I don't want anybody to perish. I don't want anybody to perish. And there is a place called heaven. In Matthew 25, 34, the king will say to those on the right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Inherit the kingdom that's prepared for you. The place, the place. Jesus prepared a place. He prepared a place. He told his disciples in uh, John 14. John 14, this is, this is a lot of times at funerals we, we read, read this scripture. In John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in me, believe in God also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Jesus said, he told his disciples, he says, you know, he's, he's preparing them for the fact he's leaving. He says, look, I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. There's a place. There's, there's an eternal destination. Eternal destination. You know, it should bother us. It's okay to be bothered by that. I mean, that bothers me. I don't know about you, but it bothers me. It bothers me. It bothers me that people might go to hell. You know? It bothers me. And, and you know, I think, wow. I, you know, and I don't know, maybe, maybe sometimes it's as you get older, and that's an excuse, I think. But I think as you get older, you do think about it. And I think about sometimes the people that I want to share with. The people who I've had in a a relationship with that I've never shared with for one reason or another, or maybe not much or whatever, that, you know, I want an opportunity to share. I want an opportunity to share because it bothers me. It bothers me that they would go to hell. That, that bothers me. And that's motivation to witness. You know, you can say, well, that's kind of a negative motivation. Well, maybe. Maybe, you know, I personally think God uses negative, negative stimulation sometimes to get us to do it. Sometimes it takes that. 
Sometimes it takes that to get us to, to think about, wow, what should I be doing? What's right? What's the right thing to do? In Matthew, Matthew 10, Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Jesus said these words. He says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Another stimulation to me. You know what Jesus says here? If you deny him, well, I don't know what, what does that mean? Well, I don't think he really exists. I don't, eh, you know, if you deny him, he's going to deny you before the Father. But he says, if we confess him before what? Before others. Before others. That he will confess us before his Father who is in heaven. It seems like there's a connection between what we say and what we get. There's a connection. In other words, if I confess him, if I say that I know him, if I say who he is to me, if I admit he's my Savior, if I admit that he loves me, if I confess that to other people, that he will then confess that he knows me before his Father. But if I deny him, now I, I don't think that's just, you know, like not saying anything, but I think if we, if we deny that he even exists, it would probably make me nervous sometimes when we would even agree with the world and not say anything. Have you ever been in a situation where people are talking about God and they're saying stuff and you don't say anything? You know what they're saying is not right, but you just don't say anything. I don't want to stir the apple cart. I don't want to get everybody all, I don't want to make anybody mad. I don't want to, I don't want to you know, be careful. I don't know if that's denying him. Sure not confessing him. I can say that. And so I think as Christians, I think as Christians, we have to realize that, you know, we're called to witness. We're called, we're called to witness. Tell people what we've seen and heard. That's all. You don't have to preach. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to be an expert in the Bible. You don't have to know how to counteract all their questions about where did dinosaurs come from then. You know, I, you know, I think we get sucked into funny things sometimes. And I, If you like those discussions, I have no problem with that. But for the average Christian, I don't think that's something you should really worry about. You know, you know if somebody wants to go on one of those theological trips with you and you say, I don't know, I don't think there's anything wrong in that. You know, I always liked the, the man that was healed. You know, everybody is grilling him about, well, how did you get healed? You know, and everybody's fighting and fussing about this. And the, the blind man said, I don't know. He said, all I know is once I was blind and now I see. And I think that's one of the best witnesses we can ever have. You get all the theological discussions about, well, he's, could this happen? And he's not the son. How did this happen? this happen? And the blind man just goes, you know, I don't know. I just know once I was blind and now I see. I know once I was a sinner, now I'm saved. I know I'm different. I know things are different. I know this is what I know. 
That's what a witness is. You tell what you know. Don't tell what somebody else knows. You know, don't, don't, don't worry about what somebody else knows. Be willing to tell your story and don't be ashamed of your story. It may not, you know, because what happens sometimes, we hear all the big stories. You know, oh, man, you know, somebody killed three people and, you know, did all these terrible things. Now he's a Christian. And so most of us go, whoa, I can't share. My life's pretty dull. Well, you share what's happened to you. You share how God loves you. This is what he did for me. You know, number one, he saved all of us because the Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if we've accepted that, then he saved us. And you can start there. He saved me. And I'm so thankful. And I'm so thankful that, you know, I don't have to be in despair and all this stuff going on around the world. You know, sometimes that's a witness. You know, I still think, folks, the world is pretty stirred up right now. And, you know, as Christians, be careful. Don't get caught up in all the stir. Keep your eyes on him so you have your hope in him. Otherwise, when somebody at work says, oh, my goodness, things are terrible, you go, oh, I know, it's so bad. Well, that's no witness. I mean, you, you know, it's no witness. But you can say, yeah, but... But I know, I know the ones that's in charge, you know, and I can trust him. I'm trusting him and it gives me hope. You know, you can witness, you can witness to people because I think, I think the world is pretty hopeless. I, that's just my gut feeling. Where's their hope? Think about it. Look around. Where's their hope? And so in the midst of that, I think we have tremendous opportunity to witness Tremendous opportunity to witness. Next week, I'm going to talk about some practical things, you know, some practical ways that we can witness so that you can see different ways, you know, that God uses us all differently. But he sure wants us to tell. Because who else is going to tell? Who else? You know, we're it. We're it. Other Christians. But, you know, for us right here, we're it. He's going to use us. He's going to use us to share his love wherever we get a chance, an opportunity. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray you just encourage us to witness for you. Lord, maybe we've been afraid or we don't feel like, oh, I don't know what to do. But Lord, give us confidence in you. Lord, help us to know that when we step out, that Lord, you're there to give us your Holy Spirit, to speak for us, to give us words we didn't have before. You're going to show us what to say. And most of all, Lord, just help us be willing to tell what you've done for us, what we've seen and heard. Lord, help us not to make it too difficult. Lord, give us a love for the world like you have. Lord, give us a heart for the world like you have. Lord, just help us to see the need and the urgency. Lord, we just thank you for that. Thank you for your love for each and every one of us. Lord, I pray if anyone has a need for prayer this morning, or do you encourage them to come up and let the prayer team pray with them about whatever their need might be? Lord, we just thank you for your abiding presence with us. And as we go forth, that your presence is with us and in us. So, Lord, help us to walk faithful to you. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.